Hi, David. Credit markets had a torrid end to the first half of the year. Yeah. Hi, Alex. Um, yeah, look, June was the you know, worst monthly performance for high-yield bonds, um, basically since the global financial and eurozone um, debt crisis. So it's you know down seven percent uh, almost on the on the month. So we've only had a worse month than than, than that actually in in March 2020, when you know we were kind of markets were engulfed by the uh, sort of COVID um, uh, panic. Um, yeah, most of the drawdown was driven by pretty sharp widening in credit. Reds, especially in in Europe, um, I think you know investors are getting worried by the risk of a sort of winter recession in Europe um, if Russia continues to curtail gas supply. And you know we did see the investor bid for more risky and less liquid credit um, dry up. Um, if we look at the spread on the iTrax crossover index, so this is a basket of credit default swaps on the 75 most liquid European high yield borrowers that actually rose you know almost 200 basis points um, uh, in in June to uh, almost 600 basis points so that's actually a level that you know is pretty close to what we saw during the sort of 2011-2012 Greek debt crisis. Uh, investment grade credit held up better than high yield, but credit spread still meaningfully um, widened, um, again, particularly in Europe. Uh, US credit was certainly not immune to the um, uh, sell-off, but it did perform better or, or, or rather not as badly as uh, euro credit. Um, and we've seen the share of um, you know leveraged credit you know, trading at distress levels. So, you know, whether that be high yield bonds with credit spreads above a thousand basis points or, or leverage loans uh, trading at below 90 cents on the dollar. I mean, we've seen that move, you know, significantly higher. So distress ratio for high yield is, is around about 10% and for leverage loans um, is around about 15%. Um, and, you know, as recently as, you know, the end of, the, of uh, Q1, um, you know those distress ratios were you know very low single uh, very low single single digits. So you know for most of the first half of the year, it's actually been rising government bond yields, volatile interest rate markets that have been you know the key driver of drawdowns across credit um, and, and obviously particularly a longer duration investment grade credit. But I think in recent weeks we have seen cracks start to appear in credit markets and i think that does reflect the you know shift in focus of investors from high inflation and rising interest rates to uh, a, a sort of rising fear of uh, recession does that mean there's more pain to come uh yeah tough question one which we've obviously been debating i've been talking to a lot of our investors about i mean i th- i think for example if we look at european credit spreads you know, I, I reckon they're effectively sort of discounting a, a 50% chance of a recession over the next sort of six to 12 months. Um, if you look at uh, spread break evens, so this is the increase in spread that would be required to wipe out the excess return from holding a, um, you know, holding credit over a sort of similar maturity safe government bond. If you look at those uh, levels, then you know, they are pretty much at um, a sort of recession levels and all in yields are at sort of 10 year highs. Now, you know, historically, credit valuations at these levels 
are typically followed by positive forward total and excess returns. And, and certainly I think that will would be the case if um, a recession and a surge in defaults and rating downgrades um, is avoided. But it's also the case that spreads will widen further if economies do fall into um, outright recession, even if it subsequently proves to be mild and, and corporate default and rating downgrades are moderate. So while I think you know near-term recession risk in the US is 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 low, um, you know, uh, and if inflation pressures start to ease through the second half of the year, Fed's Fed rates peak, you know, around three and a half percent or or at least below four percent. Um, then, then I also think a U.S. recession, even in 2023, is is actually far from um, inevitable. But clearly, there is elevated recession risk for Europe, you know, because of the squeeze that Russia is putting on gas supplies. Um, Nord Stream One is being closed for regular maintenance, but you know, there's some uncertainty as to how much uh, you know gas will flow once the uh, maintenance. Uh, pipeline maintenance is um, completed. And, you know, I think these concerns around the European economic outlook is being reflected not only in terms of the sort of relative outperformance of US credit over Euro credit, but also in terms of the Euro weakness against the um, US dollar. So, no, you, you know, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty clearly around the um, economic outlook, particularly, I think, in the near term for Europe. That does mean, I think, that you know, the, the, there's certainly potential for spreads to widen from where we are today. But I do think the credit valuations are at levels that are rightly starting to garner investor uh, attention. You know, I, I expect some further spread to decompression. So, you know, I expect sort of higher quality um, credit to outperform uh, low rated uh, credit. And that's typical when recession fears are um, elevated. So in, in my opinion, I think some of the most attractive risk adjusted opportunities currently are, are, are therefore in basically high grade credit. Um, you can pick up some, um, you know, long dated bonds of big investment grade rated uh, companies with strong credit profiles with their bonds trading well below par. So you get some sort of positive convexity there, as, as well as in places like structured credit. So for example, US AAA rated CLOs are offering a spread of 200 basis points and uh, all in yield of um, 5%, 5%. So, you know, I think there are opportunities um, in, in credit, but I think I would still have a bias towards, um, you know, higher quality given the uncertain economic outlook. What does the latest US payrolls report tell us about the outlook for the US economy? Well, I mean, the latest payrolls report for July, I mean, just underscored the continuing strength of the US labour market. Um, businesses continue to hire um, at a brisk uh, pace. So, you know, the three month moving average of payrolls uh, gains is running at uh, 375,000. Um, uh, and, you know, that's, you know, a, a a very robust um, rate. Um, it does suggest that the US economy is not slowing as fast as, you know, some indicators and some commentators have suggested. Um, and, you know, somewhat encouragingly, if you look at average hourly earnings, um, they're, they're actually not accelerating. Um, I mean, the annual rate is above 5%. Um, and that's still, I think, you know, it's clearly still too high 
over the medium term to be consistent with the Fed's 2% um, in, inflation target. But as I say, yeah, I mean, the payrolls report is telling you that the US economy is not falling off a cliff and that there's um, still strong um, labor uh, labor demand. And, and I think really what that means is that with headline consumer price inflation in the US near 9%, with labor demand uh, very strong, unemployment very low, the Fed's going to keep hiking and will try and get interest rates into uh, restrictive territory as soon as possible. So I think that means uh, we get another 75 basis point hike at the next Fed meeting uh, later this month, uh, which would take the Fed funds rate or the upper bound of it to uh, 2.5%. And, and I think we're, we're quite likely to get, you know, another 75 to 100 basis points um, of rate hikes before the end of end, end of the year after July as well. So, um, yeah, it says US economy's, you know, still got some positive uh, growth momentum, um, but that also, I think, is going to kind of embolden the Fed to you know, keep on hiking at a pretty aggressive rate. And finally today, David, any market implications from the political drama in the UK? Not really. I mean, you know, as you know, uh, Boris Johnson was effectively sacked by the Parliamentary Conservative Party as its leader. Um, but until a replacement is found, he will remain um, prime minister and, 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 and the leadership contest will, will likely take the rest of the summer. So Johnson will remain in uh uh, in, in office as caretaker prime minister, but without the authority for new policy um, initiatives. I mean, we did see, you know, a bit of a bounce in uh, the British pound on the news that, uh, you know, uh, Johnson was going to be uh, leaving number 10. Um, but I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, the fundamental economic challenges facing the UK remain the same. You know, it's double digit inflation. It's a stagnating economy and, and a country that's still you know, uncertain about what its post-Brexit business model is going to be. Um, and, you know, I think for broader you know, financial markets, global financial markets. I mean, there's just much bigger issues to ponder than who is the next uh, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Thanks for your time today, David, and speak to you again soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued by Blue Bay or one of its entities. Please check the entire Blue Bay disclaimer at the following website, www.bluebay.com forward slash podcast disclaimer. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended, nor should it be intended as investment, tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This podcast is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Blue Bay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Blue Bay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. The document is intended only for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive or in the US by accredited investors as defined by the Securities Act of 1933 or qualified purchases as defined in the Investment Company Act of 1940 as applicable and should not be relied upon by any other category of consumer. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person, published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay or one of its entities. Copyright 2022.